We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you. Um, I was going to say a little bit more subdued than this time last week when we were all flying high on the, not the fumes of the IST because it hadn't happened yet on whatever. Anticipation, I guess would be the best word. And then the IST actually happened and um, we have sunk down a little bit, but my spirits are high, and that is because I get to talk to the one and only, no, not Jeremy Cohen. He is, again, on, on work duties this week, but we continue to, to strive to new levels to replace him with someone who could fill his, his mighty big shoes. And today, it is the one, the only. He has a podcast. It's called Cats and Shoot. You can find it on Patreon.com backslash Cats and Shoot. Is that just slash who backslashes? I've never heard anybody who backslashes. No one backslashes. <laughs> you make it sound so illicit. <laughs> I don't know anyone who back. No one backslashes, backslashes anymore, man. Who's backslash? So, that's so 2023. That's, nobody black. Nobody backslashes. It's like saying www. What are you going to say? www.patreon.com. If I should, I should, shoot. I should call my dad right after this podcast and be like, hey, dad, what was that? Web- I just make something up. Like, what was that website? And have him go find something because he'd read the WWW. I think anybody over like 55 would do that. Yeah, it's 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 not a backslash. It's a regular slash. It's Nobody slash. backslashes. It's just Except me, apparently. Patreon.com slash cats and shoot. That was I mean, I was like over here making facial expressions. That that wasn't just subdued. That intro that was. um exasperated that was like oh god normally we have jeremy cohen who's That's a pleasure and now already i have to look. deal with this guy i didn't and say your name yet already Fred- that's how exasperated you were you hadn't I- even said my name yet and you were like oh no i'm excited to talk to be writer for the knicks who writes for the athletic and hosts his own podcast cast and shoot slash no, patreons.com slash cats and patreon.com back backslash cats forward slash and ampersand 
backslash backslash http colon slash slash shoot is is the is the url um man i was trying to think of an analogy. dot www there you go i was trying to think of an analogy to the next last two games but i'm not that good of a podcaster um hi fred how you doing i'm lovely well i'm wonderful i'm thrilled to be back on i'm always happy to podcast with you i appreciate that about you you. came on my pod last week i did you're great i was so disappointed you came on you were like engaging in the conversation and you actually had, were like, you had a roof over your head. You didn't do it like from your little hut in the woods and you had internet. You did analysis. I, I, if I were you, I would have come on that podcast and just done everything I could to be as disrespectful as humanly possible. It shows how much more of a mensch you are than I am. Uh, Cause I would have gone on there and just, just, just wrecked it. And you came on, you were fantastic. Those want to listen, by the way. You were you were fantastic. It was such a pleasure to have you on. It was the first time that I've ever hosted you for a podcast, so it kind of felt uh, like the dynamic was a little off. But uh, and now the, you know, I'm always happy to come on with you. Now the shoe's back on the other foot, and uh, let's see if we remember how to how to do it the old fashioned way. That's something they used to do. They don't do it anymore. They don't do it the old fashioned way anymore. Can we talk about something? <laughs> Is it related to the Knicks? Otherwise, I feel feeling like is going to lose his shit. <laughs> Can we can we talk about the fact that I just learned that you commonly leave like a hundred dabs open on your? Oh, we're gonna get this out time. of the way. All right, brief, briefly, briefly. We, we without going through the whole backstory, we we had a time we were gonna set start the podcast today, and Fred needed a little bit more time because he's Fred. And I said, "Fine, I'm I'm writing. Um, just let me know when when you guys are good." So. You texted, said, I'm good when you guys are. Great. I went, I logged on to the this, what do we do? It's on StreamYard. Sorry, no free advertising, but yeah, we do we do our podcasting on StreamYard. And then I went back to working on what I was working on. And my StreamYard tab went in the background because me thinking, okay, well, I'll know when someone goes on because they'll say something and I'll hear them because I had my headphones on. But I wasn't hearing anything. And this is news to you, sir, sirs, because Andrew's listening in the background. That wasn't on me because usually the audio pumps in, but you'll you saw I had to exit out and, and re-enter back in because the audio was not working. So excuse me, sirs. I did nothing wrong here. Wow. I think we need to talk about how you need to close some tabs so you can know when you're you're on a video chat or not. Like it's not 2020 right. anymore. There's no more excuse for like being being in a video chat, being on a Zoom and not realizing you're quite there or being what? like, oh crap, maybe I should be wearing pants. People for people who don't know, John was shirtless. He was wearing a banana hammock. It was totally completely inappropriate. He didn't realize he was on video. It was all hanging out. It, it was it was terrible. We had, to, we had to cut the whole beginning of this podcast and re-record it. It, it was it was awful. I was actually doing something worse. I was watching clips of the Knicks three-point defense against the Celtics. That's bad. <laughs> I would rather watch you in a banana hammock than that three-point defense <laughs> in the past week. All right. Well, maybe that's our entryway into the conversation. So, Fred, having just come from Knicks practice, which, by the way, do you... And I don't know if you've ever actually talked about this. People, people should know how it works. When you go to Knicks practice, who do you talk to and how does it work? So the way it's supposed to work is that media is supposed to be allowed into practice for the last 15 minutes at least of practice and be able to see the last 15 minutes of practice. The Knicks 
with all their access stuff. Uh, let's say don't do it that way, which is technically against the rules. And we are not really allowed in to see any parts of practice. So what happens is it's basically us uninterestingly waiting around in a media room for them to be done. We put in requests for players who we talk to, and then we talk to Tibbs and the players we request. And it's logistically a very boring experience, but that's where I come from. That's when so, I'm up in Terrytown. That's what I'm doing. Did you guys get the players you requested today? Because I know that doesn't always happen either. Nope. <laughs> Neither. Can I ask who you requested? Am I, are we, you requested we requested Brunson and Mitch. Okay. Because we weren't sure on the injuries. And obviously that was necessary. And, uh, and then they asked for backups. And uh, in case we couldn't get those. And we didn't. And we got Hart and DiVincenzo. No, oh, I'm sure there's a lot of interesting answers there. Okay. So you got the two of them and you got uh, Tibbs. So from what you could gleam, which is nothing from Tom Thibodeau and probably slightly higher than nothing from the two Nova boys. Um, what did you say the vibe was after the Celtics loss? And I should also say, and feel free to shed, uh, share anything from your uh, actual locker room experience after the game, which you were also privy to. So I wasn't in Boston. Oh, okay. So hard to tell a vibe after a practice. Practice vibes are normally pretty similar, to be honest. It's normally like the team has kind of moved on from whatever the heck has happened in previous games. It's always hard to tell a vibe after a practice. I was not in Boston. I skipped that road game. I was in Milwaukee. You know what's a weird trend that I've noticed? Which I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of watching it to see if it's a coincidence. Or if it's like a real thing that's going to happen in the NBA moving forward. So at the end of the year, when a team gets eliminated from the playoffs, there's always like some amount of infighting. There's always a little something. Now, some of it is it ends up being a big deal. And other parts of it is just like small, unnewsworthy, not even worth putting out sort of stuff. Like if you remember last year, there was the dust up between Obi and Tibbs. That was when they fell down 3-1 in Miami. and you know, a team loses in the playoffs and there's always people fighting about who's who deserves the blame, who doesn't. This is why we lost. This is who we need to get rid of. This is who we need to go get. This is the, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know what I think is kind of interesting? Like, I feel like because players are taking the in-season tournament more seriously, the in-season tournament is kind of bringing out those moments in teams when they lose. And we never see that in season. And I don't know if it's a coincidence or if it's just a thing that's going to happen. And I'm really curious to see how the in-season tournament affects team chemistry. It was something I never thought about until I witnessed it happen twice. First, the Knicks lose to Milwaukee and Quentin Grimes makes his comments about not having the ball. And there was, there was some discontent there in the locker room. Now, I'm not reporting the Knicks all hate each other. That's not the case. But there was there was definitely some some discontent in the locker room. Like Grimes made it clear he was not happy with the lack of shots he was getting. Two weeks prior, Josh Hart made it clear he was not happy with the lack of touches that he was getting. And I think there are other people like I don't think quickly is thrilled he's getting 24 minutes a game. I don't think he's going around causing a huge stir and making it a problem. I don't think he's thrilled he's getting 24 minutes a game in a contract year. I don't think Dante DiVincenzo is thrilled he's 
playing six fewer minutes than he did last year in Golden State. I don't think it's some huge chemistry problem, but I just, they have a lot of mouths to feed and there are only so many minutes to go around, only so many touches to go around. And after that game, it was just like, it almost felt like after a playoff loss. And then two days later, Milwaukee loses to Indiana. And six seconds after they lose, you got Chris Haynes reporting that Bobby Portis had, you know, a a, a very public in front of the team disagreements and talking to with their head coach, Adrian Griffin. That's like the third time that there's kind of been a sort of very public sort of pushback against Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee. I just feel like the players caring about the tournament is bringing this comeuppance of team issues. And I don't know how that is going to play out throughout the course of a season. Is that a thing that you recover from immediately? Or is that a thing that it actually like, 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 have you seen almost famous? Yes. You know, when the plane is crashing (laughs) and they all, and they all finally admit to each other, all the things they hate about each other and all the terrible things that they've done to each other and all of that. I I would have gone with the Seinfeld uh, plane crashing example, but that's fine. Sure. And then it turns out the plane, yeah, but almost famous was on like I was on Showtime like two weeks ago, so it was very recent. <laughs> That's fair. And so, and, and, and they're like, sorry, sorry if I'm blowing a 25 year old movie. It's a really good movie if you haven't seen it. You know, the band, the, the band's in the plane, and the plane is crashing, and they all finally admit all these things that they wanted to say to each other, and that's they all hate each other. And it turns out the plane doesn't crash, and they're okay. And there's this really awkward there's this really awkward moment after where they're just like totally silent and it's not that intense with the Knicks, obviously. And I don't think it's that intense with Milwaukee, but I bet we see kind of some stuff like that with the end season tournament moving forward. Like players care more and people just kind of look to throw things around. It's just, it's a thing I never, ever expected. But now that I've lived through it, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting kind of human dynamic of the in-season tournament. So I have a couple follow-ups. Um, none of which I have to do with the on-court stuff, but actually, they might, it might all have to do with the on-court stuff, and I'll try to bring it back to that in a moment. When you said discontent in the locker room, do you think, I'm asking your opinion to be clear, and if you don't have an opinion, obviously, say as much. Do you think that there was any uh, discontent with Grimes' comments? Or I guess for that matter, Josh Hart's comments, although they all seem to be poking fun of Josh Hart, which you made very clear that the, the, the nature of the Hart comments were very, my reading of it, correct me if I'm wrong, very, very different from the nature of the Grimes' comments. Do you think anybody maybe took issue with Grimes saying what he said? I think Tibbs probably always takes issue with that kind of stuff becoming public, Tibbs just never wants any of that stuff coming out. Like, I don't think, I don't think Tibbs liked Josh Hart putting that stuff out there. And I don't think Tibbs liked Grimes putting that stuff out there. I don't have an opinion on how much Grimes' teammates care about Grimes saying it. He didn't throw any one particular individual under the bus. Nope. He just kind of talked about it as the collective. Grimes is kind of a quiet kind of just like show up, work hard. He's not, you know, Hart is this huge personality in their locker room. You can see it from the way he is in interviews. That's the way he is, you know, 
he's a he's a loudest voice in the room kind of personality. Grimes isn't like that. He's a lot quieter. He's much more of a let my work speak for myself kind of guy. That's why I, I was. You could guess that Grimes was feeling that way, and you could hear murmurs Grimes was feeling that way. But I was I was kind of surprised when he said all of that on the record after the Milwaukee game, talking about how you know he needed more touches, he needed more shots. He's not going to get in a rhythm if he doesn't get more touches, and and he's not going to get more touches with this group. I can tell you this. Grimes is not unhappy right now. He was not unhappy being benched. He 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 is totally fine with coming off the bench. Really, he is. Yeah, he's good. It, look, look, he came That's off awesome. the bench. He got I took mean, more shots than he's taken in the last oh, yeah. you know two weeks combined. Mm-hmm. Like he's he 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 went what five for nine off the bench. When was the last time he took nine shots in a game? Uh, I think I think the he, Bucks game, the first Bucks, the yeah, the previous Bucks game. Yeah, and he he was. He was, he looked good. He looked like Quentin Grimes, the Quentin Grimes that we saw basically for the last year before he had that wrist injury. Uh, I, I don't think he has any problem coming off the bench, to be honest, if it means more touches, more opportunities for shops, more opportunities to get a rhythm. Like, I, I, I don't think that's an issue. Personally, I think the best version of the Knicks is going to have, has to have Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup because I think you need his defense against the other team's best players. And I think he is for sure their best on-ball perimeter defender. But with the way that he was playing lately, I don't blame Tibbs for making the change one bit. It just it wasn't working lately, but I do think they have to try to find a way to make it work because he is their best on-ball perimeter defender on the team. And we saw... With DiVincenzo in the starting lineup, especially against a team like Boston, where they're just weapons all over the place, height all over the place, shooting all over the place. It's not that DiVincenzo is not a good defender. He actually is a good defender, and he plays really hard, smart, good in passing lanes, all this stuff. But I think his strength is more off the ball than on the ball. He's not super long. He doesn't have the foot speed that Grimes does. I don't think he has like the chest strength that Grimes does when he kind of tries to body somebody up like Tatum, and it pushes everybody down. A little bit in the hierarchy, you know, you get like RJ Barrett now guarding Tatum and, and RJ has been good defensively this year. I have, I have nothing bad to say about RJ's defense this year. It's been, it's actually been quite consistent, quite consistent, just, just solid every night. Uh, but you know, it just pushes everybody down a little bit on the totem pole and, 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 but I get, I get why they did it. I mean, Grimes was just looking so out of sorts. It made perfect sense why they would make a, make a change there. Do you think there was? It, I don't even want to ask you if the if you think the comments had anything to do with the change because I I don't. But and it's not like you would know that either. But I don't know for sure. If I had to guess, I would say I would say no. I I just I just don't think Tibbs gives a crap about anything other than the basketball. I just don't care. I think like 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 for example. Think about the really famous Jimmy Butler practice in Minnesota when Butler was holding out. Like, have you heard Jeff Teague tell the story of that practice? Yes. Jeff Teague had, you know, there's the famous practice where Jimmy Butler is holding out because he wants a max contract extension from Minnesota. Tibbs is the president of basketball ops and also the head coach of that team. That team had won 47 games a year before, made the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. And Jimmy Butler 
It held out, showed up the third day of training camp, finally showed up, refused to do any drills. Tibbs says they're practicing, and Jimmy says, okay. And Jim, Tibbs said, lines up the starters, and normally it's starters versus reserves. And Jimmy says, no way. I'm playing with the G League guys. And he plays with the G League guys against the starters, and he kills them, and then he leaves. And my favorite part, which didn't actually come, and then he goes straight to Rachel Nichols and doesn't interview yep. about it with Rachel Nichols. And my favorite part, <laughs> about all of it, Jeff Teague tells a really detailed version of that story. And I had no idea until I heard Jeff Teague. I think this was on the Club 520 podcast like a year ago. I had no idea until Jeff, yeah, until Jeff Teague told this story. I had no idea that Jeff Teague would probably be an amazing beat reporter because he is an incredible storyteller. So he said, uh, the two greatest reveals from that were number one, that when Jimmy left, he finally took off his warmups because he wouldn't even take off his warmups to play. And he had cut the Minnesota out of his Jersey and his shorts, which is unbelievable. And the other part was he was talking about Tibbs and how Tibbs, hand was starting to shake. Cause he was so oh, yeah. psyched that Jimmy yeah. was going to play. Yeah. Jimmy, meanwhile, hadn't been showing up. He was holding out. He was causing scene after scene about, either wanting the contract or wanting out of Minnesota. They ended up trading him 10 games into the season because the situation was so untenable. And Tibbs, even in that moment, was still like, this this incredible player who works his ass off, he's back. You know, I really just, I really think Tibbs really just cares about the basketball. I think moving Grimes to the bench is a very, very defensible basketball decision uh even though it's you know it's it's not perfect from an idealized standpoint but he gave it 20 games and grimes has struggled for two weeks and by the way divincenzo's it's it's gone with divincenzo playing really well he's shooting the hell out of the ball yeah and i i mean i don't i think it was great to get grimes growing i think that's the most important thing to come out of the change from the boston game i think he looked good hopefully he he keeps looking good What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning, to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. Hey there, Knicks fans. Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you'll get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. 
Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You know I like my stats, so I got some stats here for you. Good food is too precious to waste. HelloFresh's pre-proportioned ingredients cut down on your food waste by at least 23% compared to grocery shopping, which is good for your wallet and the planet. And if you're looking for more ways to save this spring, HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. 25%, that's a lot. I love HelloFresh. I love not only the taste of the meals, but I love the fact that I could have two kids literally hanging off me as I am cooking and I'm still able to follow the recipes and make meals that are exactly as advertised. If you want to experience HelloFresh too, don't hesitate. Go to HelloFresh.com slash film school free and use code Film school free for free breakfast for life. You did not mishear me. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash film school free and use code film school free for free breakfast for life. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I'm going to divert course for a half a second because a lot of questions have come up about this in recent days, which is an extension of what you just said about Tibbs and the fact that he, yes, he does care about the basketball and like, uh, would it be fair to say that how players are feeling or if, or if certain players are in their feelings is perhaps not at the top of his personal whiteboard. Um, and like my perception always, well, not for the last three plus years is that that's why Johnny Bryan is there. And maybe there are other assistant coaches who are kind of fill that role too. But like I, I, to me, this has always been a perceived or not perceived. This has always been an acknowledged weakness of Thibodeau. And it's just kind of like, you have to navigate around it because he's never going to pay it any mind. Is that, first of all, is that a fair characterization? And, and do you think that like, what do you, do you think his inability, not inability, unwillingness perhaps to engage with, I don't know how else to say this with like players' feelings, with how players are, are, you know, um, you know, their comfort level, you know, in any given situation. Do you think that that is a real weakness? And like, do you think that Bryant being there or any other coach being there is like part of the equation for how that's all supposed to work? It's a good question. Yeah, it's definitely a weakness. I mean, if you're not going to, everyone's got their weaknesses. And if you're not going to communicate, that seems like a weakness in any profession, especially coaching. I I, I don't know if that's why Johnny Bryant specifically is there. Uh, I would say that's why that's, that's the job of assistant coaches in general to be able to, yeah, the job of an assistant coach really is to be able to, to be able to convey a coach's message an overall philosophy to the players in a one-on-one sort of way. Some head coaches are more hands-on. Some head coaches are less hands-on when it comes to development and that kind of stuff. Tibbs is very hands-on with the basketball stuff, super hands-on with the basketball stuff, super hands-on with teaching film, super hands-on at practice. He's like running all the practice stuff, all of that. I don't think Tibbs is as hands-on with just like, hey, what's going on in your life? Is there something that you want to talk about that's plaguing you and affecting you on the court? Like, I don't think that's 
really the thought, of him, the thought of him going up and like putting his arm around Quentin Grimes, be like, "Hey, man, let's chat. Let's get, you want to have a latte? Let's, let's go yeah, take exactly. a walk." Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's as much Tibbs, but he's he's going to talk about basketball with the guys. Uh, I think it's an assistant coach's job to, especially there, to be able to iron out that sort of stuff. And different, you know, players have their guys. Like you have, you have your assistants who you work with more closely. And you have your assistants who you're closer with, like with Grimes, Grimes, guy is Darren Ehrman. That's who, that's who Grimes works with the most. That's who he does his workouts with. He's, he's really with Darren Ehrman the most. So, and, and, and Ehrman is very much just of the thought process of like, I am conveying Tibbs as much as not all of Tibbs's assistants have always been like that. You know, like Mark Berman reported that Kenny Payne was not always giving Tibbs's message to Julius Randall. And that was part of why Randall's shot selection went totally awry a couple of years ago before Payne left. And like we've, we've seen that kind of stuff go off kilter. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it would be great if a coach were just amazing at everything. Yeah. That would be fantastic. And some of them are very few of them are, but I agree. I mean, that's, that's definitely a Tibbs thing where he's just like, I will talk basketball with you. I will do about, you know, I was, I was a manager at Syracuse and, and Jim Beheim was like that. He was oh, like, really basketball. Yeah. He was just like, like it was just basketball it, with him. It seems like an old school approach. Like that's how a lot of the old school coaches probably are. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, I feel like some of the old school coaches were also just like going out with players and getting hammered back in the day. You know, like I feel like Billy Martin was just like going out and getting wasted with players, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Just like being um, a maniac. So I don't know. I think Tibbs, I think Tibbs is just obsessed with the game. That's what I think. I think Tibbs is obsessed with the game. I think all he thinks about is basketball. I think it's his number one thing. I think he is in that practice facility every second of every day. Like I, it, it's become like a joke, but like it really is real. Like if you talk, if you talk to players and stuff, you're just like, when I ask players a lot, when does Tibbs get to the facility? Tibbs won't say when he gets to the practice facility. So I'll ask players like, when does Tibbs get to the practice facility? They're like, I don't know. He's there when I get there. And I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like, okay, when does he leave? And they're like, I don't know. He's there when I leave. <laughs> Nobody knows. Like, like it's, that's it's insane. It's like it's like it's like I feel like the only way he could be pulling this off is if he got this really realistic fat head that's just yeah. in his office all the time, you know. And it's not him; it's just a mannequin. And if anybody Everyone wants to know what, <laughs> anybody wants to know why, I have undying love for that man. Uh, that 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 pretty much sums it up right there. Um, okay, I'm going to try to bring this back to what we saw on the court uh, in the in the Boston game, but also in the Milwaukee game. Um, I'm going to throw some stuff at you and you take it wherever you want to go. I, it's interesting. You, you said before about like probably that everybody outside of, I guess the big three is probably not thrilled with their shot diet right now. If you, if you gave them true serum, I, I watched again, I rewatched all those, all their three point makes or not even the three point makes all the three point shots. And like, I, to me, the Knicks, and I want to get into a little bit of like the scheme stuff because what I saw was like, yeah, there were a few things that were like purely scheme, but a lot of it was this was a team that was not on their toes. 
Uh, a lot of it was execution stuff, some effort stuff for sure. But for me, mostly it was execution stuff. There was also some good defense played throughout that game, shockingly. Um, and then a couple of shots where it's just like you tip your cap to Boston. But like, I think maybe a third of the Celtics three point attempts or, or whereabouts where there was like, it was not the scheme. It was the execution of the scheme, you know, and not just one guy or not just two guys. It was like across the board. And I just, and then I'm, I'm going to relate that back to what I, I've been saying a couple of times recently, which is like, especially when they got Josh Hart, but even before that, when they turned their season around in, in their beginning of December last year, there was a spark to this team. I know they were dog shit at defense for much of last season, but there was something to them. Like there was the, the hole was clearly greater than the sum of its parts. This year, watching, I don't know. And they've been good defensively. They're, I think they're still. Uh, 11th in defensive ratings or, or whereabouts. So it's not like 10th. they've been bad. 10th, yeah, okay. Um, so it's not like they've been bad. But I don't I don't know. Watching that game, I was like, man, this is this is not that did not strike me as a group of players in the Milwaukee game too, who came into those games with like we are like we are locked. We are locked in completely in the way that I feel like we saw them as recently as the end of last season. And one, I want to know if you agree with that assessment. And if, if you don't, I'm, I, I kind of hope you don't agree with it because I, I, I want to make it a manifestations of my own, my own psychosis here as a Knicks fan. But if there is something to it, do you think maybe it has something to do with the fact that everybody's kind of not on edge, but like, you know, there's, there is a lack of satisfaction with, with, with people's roles generally. So I have a take Okay. after they got killed by Milwaukee and basically killed by Boston. I am totally and completely unconcerned about them after this week. Okay. I That's, just, I kind of want to hear that this, this week changed absolutely nothing about how I feel about the Knicks. If the Knicks had beaten Charlotte by four, on a Tuesday night two weeks ago instead of blowing them out yeah. and gotten the win, but not had the point differential to make the in season tournament. No. Then they could have gotten a crappy team to play this week. And they would have gone into the week at 12 and seven made the, maybe they'd be playing the Washington wizards and then they'd kill the wizards and they'd be th- 13, they'd be 13 and seven. They'd come in at 12 and seven. They'd be 13 and seven. And they'd be prepping for a home game against Toronto, which are going to be the favorites out of 13 and seven. Now they're going out to Utah and Utah's not good. And now potentially they're heading to the last three games of a West Coast road trip at 15 and seven. And we're like, man, look at this. And I don't think it would say anything different about what this team is now when they're 12 and nine. They lost to the second best team in the Eastern Conference on the road because that team hit 900% of their threes. They actually hit 286 threes in the game. They only got credited for 23 because the, the counters broke at 23, but they actually hit 287 threes. And that's not on the Knicks. That's just 287 threes is just it's an a lot of insane threes. amount of threes. It's a lot of threes, insane amount of threes. I mean, do the do the math. That's like a lot of points. I'm not doing 287 times three in my head. I'll tell you that much. It's a lot of points. So it's it's just really difficult to evaluate. Like they, the teams they played are say it. They did get screwed. They got screwed. You know, like 
they have not complained at all other than one Josh Hart tweet, which wasn't even really a complaint. It was just yeah. kind of like a sarcastic response to another tweet. But if they had beaten Charlotte narrowly and not made the in-season tournament and they got a crappy team this week, they would be better off for their regular season standing than making it. Because making it, I mean, look, you could make it also lose in the first round and not get the two best teams in the conference. Like they didn't just make it and then lose. They got the two best teams in the conference on the road. And now they play 42 on the road and 40 at home. And it's not even just the basketball. One thing that I'm doing is I recently checked in with the league. I actually have not gotten an answer yet, but I checked in with the league. The Knicks lost money. Like they're they lost a whole gate of revenue. Oh, they're only going to play yeah. forty home games. That's right. I was like, is the league reimbursing the Knicks for this? And I think they're reimbursing the Knicks, but how are they reimbursing the Knicks? Are they just going to give them the average of their gate revenue? What about concessions? Like, there are so many ways that the Knicks got screwed. So yeah. if the Knicks feel internally like they got screwed, I don't blame them. It is fine. I totally understand. Boston's a terrible matchup for them. I Boston, completely agree. Boston is a horrible matchup for them. Mitchell Robinson getting hurt did not make things any easier. I don't expect them to go up to Boston and look good. Porzingis also was fantastic and not rusty right off the bat. And he specifically is the dude who disproportionately makes that matchup Worse oh, he ch- for them than Boston. He flipped ever. the matchup on its head. It was, I would argue, it was a good. They were not a good matchup because Boston was not a good matchup for everybody. But last year, the Knicks matched up with Boston as well as pretty much anyone. And now, because of the scheme that they their base defensive scheme, you could argue that has turned. I maintain Milwaukee's a good matchup for them. I think they can put up a fight against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a fight. Yes, Mil- Milwaukee's perimeter defense is a disaster. Yeah, they have absolutely nobody to guard Jalen Brunson, who I did not think played great during Didn't that game great. and absolutely game. torched them that first that first game. They played Milwaukee beginning of November. Brunson absolutely torched them. Yep. They didn't have RJ in that game. Randall shoots five of 20 and they almost they almost won. They came really close to winning that game. Giannis hit three pull up threes. Milwaukee yeah. is shooting 56 percent from three against them. Against the it's like and Giannis 100 percent. <laughs> Right. Like, I don't care how bad your three point defense is. Like, you shoot 56, you, you shoot, what, what did they shoot? 23 of 38 in that game. Milwaukee shoots 23 of 38 from three. That's more on the offense than it is on the defense, period. You know, that's just these guys so made me- their shots like crazy. And I just, I actually think they match up okay with Milwaukee. They did not play well. They have looked a little flat. The Grimes thing is a little concerning. The comments from Grimes, comments from Hart, that kind of stuff, a little concerning. But but overall, Brunson has played great. Randall is really starting to play a lot better, I think, and 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 look kind of like a different version of a productive Randall, which is maybe something we can talk about. And I'd like to write about I, this week if I can get Julius talking about it. Because I do want to touch He's on actually kind of changed his style and it's it's interesting and it's working. Uh and and you know, Mitch is still playing good ball. RJ had his best game in a while against Boston. Completely. Agree. I, I Divincenzo's playing well. I just 
my opinion on the Knicks has not changed. I think they are a good team that is going to be good on both sides of the ball, and they're going to finish somewhere fourth, fifth-ish in the conference, and they'll be fine. So I don't disagree with anything you just said. I do think they are they're going to be fine, and they are fine, and they are a good team, and they are going to finish around that range. The reason why I do have this little part of me that is that is not, not sounding an alarm, but it w- was concerned. Concerned is even too strong a word. Maybe it's I'm listening to Robert Cross too much, who has been shouting from the roof. Yes, the Fred is nodding. If shouting, you're listening to Robert Cross at all, at all. <laughs> You're listening to Robert Cross, too but it's much. not. It's not. Here's the thing. It's not just him. And if you are even have a little bit, slightest bit of 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 um, pie-eyed optimism as a Nick fan coming off of last year, I think there was a part of you that wanted to tell yourself, "Hey, if all of this works as well as as it should, and the pieces fit, maybe they actually do screw around and like appear." Like they are part, whether they actually are or not is a different conversation, but like appear, like act as if, right? They are part of the upper, upper, upper echelon. And I, this in-season tournament thing, like you saw how Indiana came out up until the last quarter against the Lakers, where they're like, we are going to show every mother effort in this league who we are and what we're made of. The Knicks didn't do that. Like we know what the Knicks look like when they are coming out and they are looking to 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 prove a point. And like it's when their defense ratches it up from a nine out of ten to a ten out of ten. And that was honestly the difference. Their defense against Milwaukee and Boston was I don't know was it a nine out of ten? Was it an eight and a half out of ten? Was it an eight in terms of like their normal? Whatever. Not even. Not even. Probably not even. They were bad. It was not good. So the fact that they didn't do that. And it was not a priority to them to show the rest of the league. Now, look, maybe they don't give a shit what the rest of the league thinks. They're like, yeah, we'll see you come playoff time, which if that's their mentality, I'm not even sure I'd be all that mad at them. But I guess the 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 back to back nature of it, the the Boston game right after the Milwaukee game. And then, as you brought up the sense that and as a certain B reporter, I read at the end of last week reported Keep your eyes out for a consolidation trade because there's a lot of to wonder who that was. Um, maybe you could comment on it if you think of who that beer reporter was. Um, it's just it's just, it's all you know, it's like stuff. There's just stuff. And and what do we like as Nick fans that we never get? We just like to be happy and not worry about stuff. So this is me just being a pansy. That's really what this is. This is me just being I think a complainer. That's, I think that's exactly what it is. It is. I, I I think they're fine, John. The one thing that I will say, here's the one thing I will say. Say it. And I say this as an in-season tournament convert. I think it was fun. And I think there are definitely flaws that need to be ironed out. I don't think a team should be able to be screwed in the way that the Knicks were, like I was talking about before. Not Especially, it's one thing with strength of schedule. Because all teams technically have slightly differing strengths of schedule. and. You know, someone's got to have the hardest schedule in the league, just how it works. It's less about that, more about I do not think you can have a team have 42 road games and 40 home games. You cannot do that under any circumstances. Everyone's got to be at 41 and 41 in some way or another. Like, I just, I do not think that part especially is fair. I'm sure that's a thing that they're going to be able to, to iron out to some degree. What, what I will say, 
is as someone who has enjoyed the in-season tournament, let's just enjoy it for what it is. A fun little thing that the players care about because it's getting them more money and a team like Indiana showing up and taking it seriously and Tyrese Halliburton using it as a pedestal to be able to break out as a star on a greater level than just in Indiana and all these other things. I don't think we need to apply more meaning to it just because we are told that it's yeah, more meaningful. Yeah. It's not the playoffs. That's a great it's call. Just not. The playoffs are more meaningful, not because we're told they're more meaningful, but because the whole damn point is to win a title. And the playoffs are what get you on your way to winning a title. That's the next step. That's why the playoffs are meaningful. That's why we apply more meaning to it. I don't think we need to apply more meaning to the in-season tournament. I just don't. I don't think, I think it's just, it's, it's a great way for us to see what we want to see, right? Like, let's say the yeah. Heat made it into the in-season tournament and they went through the motions and they lost. Yeah. We'd be like, oh, look at the Heat. They care so much about winning a title. They don't even give a crap about yeah. this in-season tournament. That's, He's culture, that's baby. Exactly. That's We're just, it's, it is. This is a Rorschach test. Rorschach. It is Rorschach? a Rorschach test. Rorschach. Rorschach. I, I, I say shark. Rorschach. Show from the shark. Rorschach. Rorschach. It's Rorschach. Rorschach. Not Rorschach. I know it because the name of the the character in Watchmen is Rorschach. Oh, uh, okay. Rorschach. Yeah. There it is. So it's he literally has the 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 ink on his face, and it's known as a Rorschach test. Like, look at the blot and tell me what you see. Right. So well, anyway, I like Roar Shark. I like Roar, I like the way you say. Roar do you shark. see? Do you see a bunny or do you see a shark? A Roar Shark text. A Roar that's Shark test. test. A Roar Shark test. It is. Continue, Fred. Yeah. Either way, that's what this is. It's Roar Shack Shark Shock. It's whatever it is, but it's it, it is what you want it to be, and uh, I, I just I don't think we need to apply any more meaning to the Milwaukee game or any more meaning to the, to the Boston game than we would just if it were a random week where they happen to be playing the two best teams in the East on the road. If Milwaukee doesn't hit some obscene amount of threes, if Marjan Bochamp doesn't turn into Clay Thompson, maybe the Knicks win that game, you know, like it's just, it's just, and I'm not arguing they played well. I'm just saying like, I don't give it more meaning just because it's an in-season tournament, and I don't think anybody else should either. I think it's extremely fair, and I'm going to choose to uh, take complete and total solace in your words. Two quick things before I get you out of here because I already kept you for too long. Um, uh, the beat reporter, uh, I have to say, it, it was you, Fred. You reported to keep an eye out potentially <laughs> for a consolidation trade. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, putting you on the spot, which I know you love. Uh, what is it today? Oh, we're almost, it's we're five days away from the the unofficial start of trade season that isn't actually at all the start of trade season because nothing happens until at least January. Um, uh, do you think they make a consolidation trade? And I, I will I will be specific. Two rotation, two or more, I guess theoretically rotation players out with another rotation player coming in. I think it's on the table. I do think it's on the table. You know, something else that I wrote in that story that you're referencing is that the Knicks front office 
is aware that there could be like a too many guys situation brewing in the front office. And that's something you're in the, in the locker room. And that's, that's something that we've touched on a lot in this podcast. And I don't think they're like panicking that, Oh no, everybody hates everybody. It's just, they're, they're monitoring. They are aware that like Grimes not thrilled with the touches Hart not thrilled with the touches. And they have all of these six foot five guards who kind of have all of these overlapping sorts of traits. There are some redundancies there. And I never thought them not having a conventional backup power forward was a problem. And I still don't think them not having a conventional backup power forward was a problem. They're the best rebounding team in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, Whether Julius Randle, even when Julius Randle's on the floor, even when they have one big man, and when the big man is just Hartenstein, it's not even Mitchell Robinson, they rebound the hell out of the ball all the time. Everyone on their team's a good rebounder, basically. So they're fine in that front. And they're fine defensively in that front too. It's just more about overlapping skill sets and that kind of stuff. There's also the Emmanuel quickly situation where he's expiring. And that's obviously something I keep an eye on because you might be able to get a lot for Emmanuel quickly. Uh, something I didn't touch on because I, in that story, because I just, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but Isaiah Hartenstein is expi- expiring yes, is. after this season too. And I think the Knicks love Hartenstein. And they should. He's He's been been one of the best backup centers in the league this year. No question. He's making a shade over $9 million this year. And he's underpaid. And I I haven't really asked around about what his market is going to be next summer. But my, my guess, just knowing how this stuff works, is that he should probably command something around the mid-level, which is about 13. Maybe a little under that. Maybe a little under that. But I think he will get a raise on the 9.2 that he makes right now. Three for and 40 sounds Knicks, nice. Yeah, and given the Knicks, that's like the Daniel Gafford contract. That's, that is the Daniel Gafford contract. That's what Gafford got. And given where the Knicks are right now with their salaries, given the fact that Jalen Brunson's going to get really expensive in 2025, Julius Randle could get more expensive in 2025 if you want to hold on to him. You're going to trade for a star. You got that. You got cost certainty with Josh Hart's extension. You got cost certainty with Dante DiVincenzo's contract. You got cost certainty with RJ Barrett's contract with him making in the high 20s at that point. You are probably going to have to go cheap at backup center. And so if the Knicks don't plan on keeping Isaiah Hartenstein past this summer because they're just like, we love this guy, but we cannot pay $11 million because once we're in the tax, that $11 million is going to turn into way more than $11 million. I wonder what happens with him. I don't know. They might just say, screw it. Hold on to Hartenstein. It's not like you get a ton for, for Isaiah Hartenstein anyway, and he's extremely important for this team, especially if Mitch gets hurt. And we haven't even talked about the fact that we have no idea on Mitch's status with his ankle right now and if Hartenstein is going to have to be their starting center for a certain amount of time. Yeah, uh, but but that's that's another thing I'm looking at too, where I I just I don't know. It's too early from what I gather. They haven't been active on the phones. A lot of people in the league haven't. Uh, I don't really feel like anything is brewing. If there's a trade on December fifteenth, I don't know about it. Uh, I don't I don't think anything is is really brewing right now with the Knicks or around the league. But I do think that kind of stuff starts to like the phone calls start to pick up around that. The Hardenstein thing is, is interesting to me because 
and it relate to me at least it relates to the the Boston game a little bit uh, because as they're currently constituted, the Knicks are just not going to ever pivot to a different style of defense because they have two centers who are like they they're they're not guys. I mean they, they don't they don't have the personnel to do like a switch everything defense and like switching out Hartenstein for like a more I guess like versatile backup five and like how but here's the thing how many how many versatile switchable backup fives who are also like good offensively like they're these guys don't exist so Hartenstein who who are the best backup centers in the league I would Al put Horford him in the, Al Horford's probably the best yes but he's not even really a backup five he's also he plays four for them too sure but he's their backup five though he yes he is their backup but I he mean, is not Cornette you know five. Yeah, like who's a better exclusively backup five where that is his only role than Hardenstein? I don't know that there's a better one. I mean, you go through the best backup fives like Mo Wagner's been really good this year. Mo Mo Wagner's been awesome. But I would say that he's kind of on the same tier as Hardenstein. Uh, Bobby Portis is is really good. Different type of player. Exclusive, but yeah. Different type of player than Hardenstein and not as good of a defender. Nope, but but obviously one of the best backup fives in the league. Uh, Nas Reed has been great this year. I think he's, I think he's been really, really awesome for them, but he also ends up playing a lot of four for them too, because he'll, he'll stretch and, uh, and, you know, they'll leave like, you know, cat with the bench unit or something. And, and, and Nas Reed will play like as a stretch four. Uh, you know, I mean, Hartenstein's a great fit. That That's why I don't, I didn't include anything on him in that story. And I, I don't anticipate that they'll trade him because I don't think it's, it's not like you're like trading Hartenstein for two first round picks, you know, and it's like, no. Oh, you got to capitalize on this, the, but, and he's very important for how they play and what they do, whether Mitch is healthy or not. But I, I just, I think it's an interesting situation because when you break down the cap stuff, it just, unless he just loves the Knicks and, wants to stay in New York for cheap because he's so happy, which would be pretty rare for like a 26 year old dude who hasn't gotten a massive 25, however old he is, hasn't gotten a massive payday yet and, and deserves a raise on his current, his current salary with how he's been playing. Like I I feel like someone's going to pay him more than the Knicks would be able to. The only thing that's worth at least a mention, a cursory mention is that he's the only player on the roster that is in that salary sweet spot between rookie contract and the next lowest salary player on top of him is DiVincenzo, who I doubt they're going to trade because he's they just signed him. And then above that, it's Hart, who can't be traded this year. And then above that, and then it's Fournier, but you're already putting the Fournier salary into any of these potential deals. So if there is a, you know, a 30-ish million dollar a year player out there but then again I don't even know who the hell that would be so it's probably not even worth talking about um, I was going to talk about Julius we don't need to you're going to write about Julius this week we should um, maybe I we will sh- I think sh- I just I thought he got a bit of a and maybe it was just people who chimed in on super chats after the game I thought he got a little bit of a harsh harsh uh, um, evaluation after the Boston game I thought he had a rough third quarter offensively but I thought he was he was largely fine. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing that I think is really interesting with him, and this is the thing I want to write about. I haven't spoken to him about it yet. And I want to see if I can pull him aside and chat with him about this. Cause I think it's really interesting last year. 
he was so good. We t- how, how many conversations did we have last year on like Julius Randle has been more efficient than he ever has been with the Knicks. And it's because of not how many shots he's making, but what types of shots that he's making over his last 11 or 12 games. He has a better true shooting percentage than he had last year. He has a better effective field goal percentage than he had last year. And it's because of how many shots he's making, not because of what types of shots he's making. Now, that, could signal, that could signal one of two things. That could signal Julius Randle's on a hot streak. This isn't sustainable. Right. Or you could look into it a little further and you could see he's spending a lot more time posting up on the left side, specifically carving out way, 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 way deeper post position without the ball than he ever has on the left side. And what's he doing? He's rolling over that left shoulder and trying to get fouled, or he's hitting that little fade away when he turns into the paint, right? Which has been automatic. And you know why it's automatic? Because that shot is coming from five feet now. It's not coming from 12. And it used to come from 12. And there has obviously been some kind of effort for him to carve out more space without the ball and get down low so he can go into that shot. That little turnaround post up fade away. I had no problem with that one. That's five feet. That's a good, that's a good shot. But you look at his breakdown right now. He's taking twice as many shots from floater range as he did last year. And it's because he's taking those shots. And I just, I know he's doing it. He knows he's doing it. I, I, Sometimes when I when I call him out on changes in his basketball habits, he'll like he'll like mess with me. I've talked about it on this podcast before, but like I don't know. I asked him when he had that twenty rebound game against Charlotte. Uh, I asked him something about like what was working so well for him on the boards, and he said something. And he looked at me and he was like, he was he was like, I don't know. You got to check the film on that one. And after the scrub, I said to him, I was like, Julius, you know, like I will check the film on that one. He said, crap, I forgot who I was talking to. And then he was like, the ball was just bouncing to me. It was, it was, it was honestly nothing. You don't need to watch. And, and I, I want to know how he's going to respond when I'm like, you are doing this way more. Um, I hope he gives his perspective and his analysis of it. Cause I would love to hear where it's coming from, why this and why it's working really well, because if it's working well, like for a reason, Maybe, maybe all of a sudden the Knicks have a really good Julius Randle that looks different than the really good Julius Randle from last year, but it's still really damn good. I mean, last thing before we move on to predictions, uh, they had 122, 122, yeah, I think 122 offensive rating over the these two games that they got shellacked in. Um, and that would be right there with the with the Pacers for the best in the league. The offense is not a problem. Like the offense continues to be awesome. Uh, defensively, they you know have some stuff to clean up. But again, as you said very intelligently, um, look what look what they were going up against. And these teams are 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 really good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. Um, we should get Andrew up here? Where's Andrew Claudio? Oh, there he is. Hi, John. Hi. <laughs> what am I here for? I don't know. I figured we'd just kind of shoot the shit some more. Maybe get some some um, some uh, Boyan Bogdanovich talk in. Go go go. See what's up with Jaden Ivy. Um, who else? What's going? What's going? What's going on with the starting lineup in Detroit? I think we uh, can we what's, get twenty minutes on that. With, what's going on with the Sar Thompson? How, how is it possible oh, yeah. that 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 the Detroit Pistons could lose a million and seven games in a row and? Have one bright spot. They have literally bright spot. The whole season. If you ask any Pistons fan, what is the one thing about the Detroit Pistons that makes you smile? Their answer is Asar Thompson is awesome. He's such a good offensive rebounder. He's such a good shot blocker. He's so talented. He is so awesome. He's so fun to watch. And then the Pistons are like, you know what I think we're going to do now that we've lost 15 in a row? I think we're just going to stop playing Asar Thompson for no reason. So Fred, 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 Fred. So it sounds like what you're saying is if you were to place a couple of picks on prize picks, our new sponsor of the new prediction segment, the prediction segment we do each week, you would take the under on Asar Thompson's rebounds, points, blocks, whatever. Is that your recommendation, Fred? I think my recommendation is to not bet on 
any props for Pistons players because you have no idea what's going to happen. Well, no, no, no. But the under on is what you're saying on all Pistons players. I, I guess I would say that. Can I get sued for this if I'm wrong? No, I would say I would say I would I would I would bet the under because you just you just never know. I mean, they'll play a 12 man rotation. They'll cut it down. You know, you just never know what's going to happen with their rotations there. It, it is insane. Yes. So they're, they're, Mm-hmm. Well, shout out to Maybe. our good friends at Prize Picks, our new sponsor for the rest of 2023. Uh, they'll be sponsoring our prediction segment as well as betting and sweating uh, over on social media. Shout out to the casual crew. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash KFS, just slash KFS, even though it's a forward slash, and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash KFS. Use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Uh, you can cross match sports if you'd like to. So if you took um, a Julius Randle over with a Zach Wilson over, you'd have half of that probably done because the New York Jets got a victory today. If you took uh, a Houston Texans over and if you it took a Houston Texans under, how about that? Uh, as well as an RJ Barrett under because he's been struggling lately. You'd probably be halfway there too because the Jets beat the Texans today 30-6. to six. So again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. Predictions for this week, fellas. So, so Jeremy's not here. So, who is predicting in place of, well, Fred's going to do his own predictions, right? No, he's in place of Jeremy and okay. Benji. That's the okay. that's the team. Jeremy, Benji, and Fred is now the team that goes against John. John, you won this week though, so it's clearly not you're three and three against the trio of Jeremy, Benji, and I Fred. Pick this week you picked okay last picked week, previous week, yeah, and last you week won, won, and yeah, now you're right. picking this week because last week so, we moved the segment to this week. That's right. Yes, and let here's the schedule. I was about to say, let me pull up who the hell they're playing. Uh, so the next have a home game against the Toronto Raptors, and then they go on the road. Um, so Monday, Raptors, Wednesday at Utah, Friday at Phoenix, and then um, back-to-back uh, Saturday at the Los Angeles Clippers, who um, are clippering around out in L.A. Okay. Um, hmm. It's tough. Um, I know what my gut's telling me to do, and I know what I want to do, and those two things are not in conjunction with one another. I'm going to choose to believe Fred Katz's words about, don't worry, relax, R-E-L-A-X. I'll pick three and one. Ooh, I like it. I like it, John. It's not what my gut was telling me to do, which is what Fred's going to do right now. I'm assuming you get unless Fred is really not uh, worried about the Knicks and you're going about to predict four and zero. I'm pretty sure we know what Fred's about to say. But Fred, predictions for this week for these four games. I see. I would love to predict zero and four, just so not because I believe it's zero and four, but because then I can just tank. Benji's complete, like just Jeremy's, 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 it's Jeremy's. Oh, and Jeremy's yeah. too. I but guess. that's not how it works. It's it's not. In fact, in the entire history of doing these things, the person who picks second has never not picked because there's no reason 
to pick more than one game different from the other person has picked. Like if you're going to pick 0 and 4, you might as well pick 2 and 2. Right. You don't get bonus well, points am, if like they're actually 0 and 4. I am picking 2 and 2. Okay. I think they're going to beat Toronto at home. They should win in Utah. Uh at, at Phoenix is is really tough and then Clippers second half of a back-to-back is really yeah. tough too. Clippers are playing a lot better basketball right now, so They are. I feel I feel like 2 and 2 is the way to go. That was that was what I was leaning towards, but I I don't know. I want to be optimistic today. Good stuff. Proud, Proud of you. <laughs> All right. I took um, it seriously. Andrew, I took it seriously. You took it very seriously. The blind squirrel finally found his acorn. I, 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 it's called growth, Fred. There you go. I did it. Uh-huh. I've learned. But you can put Fred. me down for, uh, for you can put me down for uh for for Owen for for sure. <laughs> Just so the team you're on is two, is two and two with Jeremy and Benji, but your actual picks are 0 and 4. Yeah, well, because I, I, just, I, just, want, I just want to tank Jeremy and Benji's. No, 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 no. This is your pick. You're like, not we're able creating to a oh, third team that's just you. So oh, if I'm they go 0 and 4, team. you win. Like, hey, no, oh. one, one person predicted 0 and 4 this week. I'm just going to go 2 and 2. I'm, okay. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling 2 and 2. There you go. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too upset with you, but I, I, I think three, three and one would be nice. Okay. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, Andrew, thank you. As always. Fred Katz. Tell the folks at home with slashes, backslashes, forward slashes, sideways slashes. Um, are there any other kinds of slashes? I don't even know. Slash lines. Slash the uh, was he guitarist on Guns N' Roses, right? Slash, yeah. RJ Barrett's a slasher. He is a slasher. Yes, it's true. Uh, tell the folks at home where they could find you. Uh, you could find me at home. You can find me in my you, neighborhood. I fucking knew you were going to say that. Find me here. Find me there. I don't really want to give out an address if that's cool. I just feel like it's not necessary. Uh, you can find my work. Over at the athletic, uh, you can listen to Cats and Shoot. You cannot get that on your regular podcast apps initially. If you want to subscribe to Cats and Shoot, you got to go to patreon.com slash cats and shoot, and you can subscribe there. You can get one episode a week for five dollars a month or two episodes a week for ten dollars a month. I recorded a great episode with John last week, another one with Michael Pina from the ringer last week. And and I have another one that I'm recording on Tuesday morning. So check that out. And once you actually subscribe to that, there's a way you can actually take it and you can listen to the podcast on your regular app, whatever you listen to it, you know, Spotify or Apple podcasts or whatever else. And it's very simple. And I have the instructions right there on the site, patreon.com slash cats and shoot. I was on the low post on Friday, talked to little Knicks, talked NBA awards. You can go listen to that. And, uh, but I assume you've probably had enough of me at this point and you just kind of want me to leave. I never want you to leave, Fred. I, I always enjoy talking to you. And it, there is always a lot more that I want to talk to you about, but I feel an obligation to give the people what they want, as it were. So <laughs> that's all there is. They deserve it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, no, they do. Uh, and thank you everybody out there for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Go go follow Fred and find all the Fred stuff and read it and listen to it and, and all of that. And uh, we will be back with you for more fun and games this week with pre games, post games, all the usual uh, shenanigans. And in the meantime, we hope you um, 
Have a good week and take care. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.